Is this working now? Yeah, it is great. I'm going to tell you a story this morning about a lady that's in the Bible that many people have heard of, but probably don't realize she's mentioned more in the Bible than most of the disciples. And her name was Mary. She was from a place called Magdala, so she was called Mary Magdalene. Now, she was a very famous lady. Many people remember her or think of her as a bit of a scarlet lady. But actually, that's really not fair. Because there's nowhere in the Bible that says she lived that kind of life. Anyway, her story begins when Jesus was on his ministry and going around, going around Israel and he was healing and he was teaching and he was doing things. And for some reason, this lady met him. She was a tortured soul, tormented, distressed, struggling with life. Because the Bible says she was demon-possessed. She was locked in by the, by the enemy of all our souls and couldn't get free. She struggled with life because of this. We don't know when or where she met Jesus, but we know that he delivered her, set her free from this terrible torment that she felt. Now, she was a woman of means. She had property, we think, or something like that, because she decided, wow, this is such a change in my life. I'm never going to be the same. My life has changed. And she decided to follow Jesus. And we read that she, along with a number of other women, followed Jesus with the disciples, went round with him. Can you imagine? She'd be there listening to all the teaching, watching the miracles, seeing Jesus at work every day, listening to what he had to say. She was there supporting in the background, but she was there all the time. Her life was never going to be the same. But then suddenly, and shockingly, everything appeared to go wrong. After Jesus had been welcomed so brilliantly into Jerusalem, he'd been betrayed, arrested, subject to the mockery of a trial, and condemned to death. The most horrific death known to man at that time, crucifixion. What a shock. None of them expected this to happen. What? None of them thought it was going to end like this. It would never be the same. She witnessed the horror because she couldn't leave Jesus. The horror of crucifixion. Torturous, horrendous death. She probably found it very difficult to look at her Lord and Savior on a cross with blood pouring down. She, she must have found it really hard. Just couldn't look away but couldn't bear to not, not look. And she was there to the very end when many of the disciples had run away. She stood with Jesus as he breathed his last on the cross. She was there when they pulled his body off the cross. She was there when they took the body to the tomb. She followed. She couldn't let go of Jesus. She just couldn't let go. And she followed to the tomb, witnessing it all. There's nothing more horrific than watching somebody you love die in agony. How could she ever forget such a graphic, traumatic death? But she didn't walk away in grief and distress. She followed Jesus' body to a borrowed tomb. And she watched as a large stone was rolled over the entrance of that tomb. What a day. She thought she'd never be the same again. She sat down next to that tomb. You can read all this in the Gospels, by the way, if you want to check up on it. She sat down next to the tomb, 
probably numb with shock. Just sat there, looking and wondering. It was all over. Jesus had said on the cross, it's finished. For her, it felt like it was. Things would never be the same. But she still wanted to do the right thing, to honor his memory, to do the decent thing with his body. And, and the Sabbath was coming the next day, which was the day when all Jews uh, didn't work. They didn't do much at all, really. They rested and worshipped God. That was their kind of, that was their duty. That was the way they honored God. So she had to wait. Wait to anoint his body. She could hardly wait. She set off with her friends, the other women, in the dark. I expect they hadn't slept much. She'd witnessed something so horrific just a few hours before. They set off in the dark. They arrived at the tomb in the dark, it says. And on the way, they realized they'd missed one vital point. They'd got all the spices, but who was going to move this massive stone for them? <laughs> They're only thinking about that on the way because all they were fixated on was doing the right thing for Jesus. And they got there. They'd memorized where the tomb was. She'd been there all the way, so she knew exactly where to go. She'd followed the body of Jesus to that tomb. She'd seen the whole thing. And then in more shock and distress, they discovered the stone had been rolled away and there was no body. They've taken the Lord, she cries in desperation. I don't know where he is now. And this for her was almost the final straw. Knowing there was a tomb. Knowing there was somewhere where she could go and, 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 and have a memory of Jesus close to her. Somewhere where that would keep that memory alive was really important to her. Her ministry maybe had been finished with working with Jesus at that crucifixion. Something had died within her, yes, on Good Friday. That which she'd lived for had been taken from her. And now, didn't even know where Jesus was. She thought she'd never be the same again. And she just collapses almost in a heap and a mess, crying uncontrollably outside an empty tomb. But she decides, when all the others have, have left, they've gone home, thought, that's it, it's finished. She decides for some reason that we'll never know to have one more look in that tomb. To bend down and have another look in. And to her amazement... She sees two angels sat where Jesus' body had been laying. Why are you crying? It seems a bit of a stupid question, doesn't it? Why are you crying? The person she loved more than anyone else had been taken from her. She was feeling the loss and the pain of it. Why are you crying? She says, well, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they put him. And suddenly she's aware that there's somebody stood behind her. I don't think that person crept up on her. But sometimes you're away, you know, when just somebody is behind you. And of course she thinks, well, this must be the, the, the gardener. Again, she's asked the question by this person, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? She's thinking, if this is the gardener, he will know. He will know where the body is. Who's moved the body? And she asks the gardener, have you moved the body? Well, actually, the gardener had moved the body, but that's another story. Uh, because it wasn't the gardener. It wasn't the gardener. But she didn't recognize through her tears, through her sadness, through her distress, 
that this was Jesus. She watched him die a cruel death. She'd witnessed his body being taken off that cross. She'd seen him put in that, in that tomb. How could it possibly be Jesus? I mean, sometimes your eyes do deceive you. I, a few years ago, I was in Tesco's in North Allerton, my hometown. And actually, I, uh, I said hello to a woman in, in Tesco. It happened to be my sister, but I didn't recognize her. <laughs> because it wasn't the place I expected to see her. <laughs> it was a shock to me. <laughs> Honestly, it's really hard to see clearly, to hear clearly, and be aware of God's presence when you're struggling with life, when you're going through so many things in your head, wondering what's happening, and there's all these new things happening all over the place. What is going on here? But suddenly, Jesus, the one who calls us by name and knows us by name, spoke to her and said her name, Mary. And at that moment, she knew. She knew this was Jesus. And what a wonderful, marvelous sort of change that came over her. She wants to fling her arms around him. She wants to celebrate the good news that he's alive, that he's risen from the dead, that everything has changed, that things will never be the same again. And he gives her a job. And what a job. The first witness to the resurrection. And she rushes back to tell the rest of the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And you know what? Mary would never be the same again. Easter is a message of hope for us all. It's the promise of new life. It's the promise of a fresh start. It's not the end of the story. And the good news for each one of us today we too can meet Jesus. Not in the flesh, but he's here among us today. And he meets us, this story tells us, in our mess. In the problems of life that Mary had, Jesus encountered her on that road and changed her life. He meets us in our fears and tears and sadness. He meets us at a place of loss when we think there is no hope. He meets us in the troubles and the stresses and struggles we have in life. He meets us at the cross where he took our sin and shame and sorrow. And he meets us in new life. If we'll come to him. If we'll come to him. Now, we might not immediately recognize him, and many people don't. Even today in this room, there'll be a stirring within you. There'll be something, sense of something, what's happening. There's, there's, a, there's a sense of something going on inside me. It's God speaking to us, calling us, saying there is something more for you in life than the mess you're finding yourself in at the moment. And we might not immediately recognize him. We might mistake his presence for something else. It's that pizza I had last night. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something else that's happening in my hall. There's lots of different voices going on. But Jesus calls us. He calls us still. If we listen, if we're willing to listen to his voice. And for us as Christians, Easter is not the end of the story. 
is we're not just celebrating this great historic event which did happen, which has changed the course of history and changed my life and changed so many lives in this room here and changed millions and millions of lives across the world. But it's the beginning, the beginning, not the end. We don't just look back at this story that we're celebrating this morning. We are now part of this story. You and I are part of the story of Easter. We are part of the resurrection hope, the joy that was set before Jesus. We are part of this story. And we follow a living Lord Jesus into the future, today and tomorrow, knowing that the story is not yet complete, that there are new chapters to be written in this place, in this city, through our lives, as we give our lives over to God. And the power of the gospel is still present to change lives. And just as Mary could say, life will never be the same for me. Life can never be the same for you when you encounter Jesus, the risen Lord. Amen.